This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Emmanuel Dat, thanks very much for coming back on the show. Always great to, to sit down and have a chat with you. Before we get into your stock pick of choice, I just thought we'd start with Dat Capital and, and get an overview of how you guys look to invest. Sure, Chris. Thanks for having us back. Um, so Dat Capital... Uh, we tend to focus on uh, growth and special situation opportunities. And uh, this is uh, you know, along the lines which um, we're, we'll speak on today on a very um, unique and special situation we feel um, that's present today. And talk me through that, uh, that situation. What space is it in? Yeah, so this uh, situation is in the tin space. So tin itself is um, quite a niche metal but um it's very unique in the sense that it's um unsubstitutable by anything else so effectively you know tin is uh very much a critical metal in in the sense of uh, maintaining a modern lifestyle that we're all used to today so uh the majority of tin is used um in solder for critical electronic components such as circuit boards for everyday machines that we use today and um, so we are expecting that tin usage and demand is actually going to rise going forward in line with uh, te- technological progress. So, for example, you can think of things like the transition towards the green economy, you know, clean power, um, EVs, all that sort of stuff re- relies quite heavily on um, computing components, um, such as circuit boards. Um, and um, so it's actually... Uh, very much aligned with um, the rise in, in the green economy overall. And we've heard so much about the importance of copper in the green economy, nickel, uh, lithium and cobalt. feels like tin, in terms of its narrative and the importance for the green economy, it hasn't quite hit the mainstream yet. Is, is that fair from, from your view? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it hasn't quite captured the public's imagination. Um, Rio Tinta actually identified back in 2018 that tin actually had the most leverage to uh, the transition towards a green economy. And I think a lot of that ultimately comes down to the fact that um, with tin supply itself, it's actually quite limited. So um, to give you a little bit of context, um, so China and Indonesia are the largest sources of tin production, followed by Myanmar, Russia, Bolivia, Peru, and the DRC in Africa. So, you know, global tin production as a whole has been relatively stable in the past. Um, Even though demand has exceeded supply for a long period of time, the gap has historically been filled via um, the sell-down of strategic stockpiles held by um, various nations around the world. Now those stockpiles are depleted and um, also some primary uh, production um, supplies are actually depleting, for example, in Myanmar. So... Um, on one hand, you have a demand shock that's coming up um, as a result of um, the adoption of all these various new uh, uh, technologies that's driving demand. But on the other side, you have um, declining and diminishing supply. So it really sets up a quite an interesting um, situation. And it, it might not have been the mainstream news yet, but certainly the price has indicated that there's, there's a supply shortage, if you like. Talk us through what the, yeah. what the price has done for tin over the last 
call it three months, and maybe just illustrate just how just how short the, the major exchanges are on on tin supplies. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd probably say over the last year, the tin price has risen over a hundred percent. So today it trades at over um, sixty thousand dollars a ton. This is in Australian dollars, and um, uh, probably since the start of the year, I'd say um, the major um, commodity exchanges. Uh, for the future contracts, they've been in heavy, uh, desperately short of supply. Mm. And that's led to quite a unique situation in futures that we call backwardation, which is effectively where um, uh, the one-month contract trades at a much higher price than uh, longer duration contracts. Um, generally, the opposite is true, given that for, for a metal or for any sort of commodity, you have storage costs that, that are incurred. So... Um, it's quite a unique situation to be in for well, almost a year now, and it really um, demonstrates um, how tight the spot market is at this point in time. Um, so, you know, given the, the overall context, we think that um, there's definitely a case for tin to trade sustainably higher than the present pricing. And um, as um, a niche metal itself, we've seen in the past that these can go up um, tremendously, you know, um, go you know, five, 10 X, um, you, you can only um, think about cobalt back in 2017. And also um, uh, looking a bit further back, uranium also mm. did a similar gig in, um, you know, 2006, 2007. So there's plenty of precedent for um, this sort of market setup. And um, that's what we find so exciting in, in these um, special situations. And we'll get into your actual stock pick in a minute, but it's, it's also a commodity that's really hard to play. There's not many uh, producers and particularly yeah. not many producers that give you a clean exposure. Of the few mm-hmm. that I follow, it also appears that they haven't been that closely correlated to the price of tin. Have you found that with, with um, some of the tin stocks you've been following? Yeah, absolutely. And I think ultimately our preference would be to invest in a producer because we know that ultimately a producer is capturing the actual value in the commodity price. Um, not to say that speckies won't go up or those with undeveloped resources. I'm bad about the speckies around here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, ultimately, you know, in these sort of moves, you'd see um, more speculative companies go up a lot more than producers. But um, ultimately, you know, we think it's pr- pr- quite prudent to have a core position in a producer and maybe top up, you know, take a portfolio approach, I guess, and spread your money amongst the various speckies that you might want to back. And what stock did you want to dive into today? Yeah, so I'd like to talk about Metals X, which is um, one of only two listed producers um, uh, in Western markets, at least. And um, so Metals X uh, operates a mine known as the Renison Project that's located in Tasmania. Uh, this is a world-class asset that has produced for well over 100 years. And uh, the, the deposits itself are still being extended and uh, production, production is projected to increase in the coming years ahead. Renison itself is actually 50% owned by Yunnan Tin, which is the world's largest tin producer so that really gives you um, an indication of the quality of this particular asset. And talk about um, the Middles X journey, because I reckon I looked at it a couple of years ago when I was exploring different potential copper exposures. What, what's their history? Yeah. How have they cleaned, cleaned the business up? And, and um, then we'll dig a little bit deeper into the numbers after that. 
Yeah, sure. So Metals X, um, I think historically the Redison mine was um, its flagship project. And then over the years, um, they uh, had tried to dabble around with various other commodities, most notably copper and nickel. Um, so they actually took over um, and another listed company, uh, uh, which held the Nifty Copper Project um, in WA. But also um, they, at one stage, they also had, or they still presently have a large nickel laterite resource that's currently undeveloped. So these two ventures uh, were not successful ultimately, but now um, the management team have actually been put in place by um, the company's major shareholder, um, who are uh, quite, quite a prominent resource investor known as APAC Resources. And um, they've really um, uh, enforced cost, uh, you know, discipline and focus on the company. So these um, are that, yeah, the copper and nickel assets themselves have basically been spun out and uh, Metals X will basically proceed forward as a pure tin player from my understanding. And what did you make of the company's recent quarterly announcements? Yeah, well, I think it definitely shows that Renison is just an absolute cash machine at current prices. Um, in this last quarter, they achieved um, tin pricing or realised tin pricing of about 44000 a tonne. Uh, we actually expect in this coming or this existing quarter um, that um, pricing will rise materially to about 55000 a tonne. Mm. So um, 25% you know, Q1Q growth in pricing is pretty damn good by by anyone's metric and that that should theoretically drop straight down to the bottom line. Um, I also think an interesting aspect is that Metals X also have um, quite significant historical losses that can be offset against current earnings. So basically um, it's just cash that drops straight into their bank account with, um, yeah, that's non-taxable effectively. So that's a, a really attractive aspect for us as well. And talk me through some of those numbers. What's their market cap? What's their what's their earnings? Yeah, sure. So their market cap at present is a little over three hundred mil. Um, in this last quarter, um, the top line revenue was about one hundred and ten million, off the top of my head, mm-hmm. and uh, about half of that was um, uh, just straight um, EBITDA. They have a fifty percent share, so. You extrapolate that, and that's probably about 25 mil um, in EBITDA, um, yeah, net to MLX. So, um, from my perspective, if you're assuming that, well, last quarter they achieved 44,000, um, and you annualize that, it's really trading at a you know three times EBITDA um, multiple, and um, not not that. I think that's really cheap considering the, yeah. the strategic nature of the resource, but also there's so many different growth avenues um, as well in terms of um, the production, but also the growth projects itself from the company. And talk to me about their balance sheet. What does that look like? Yeah, so it's pretty much debt-free uh, at this point in time. Um, printing cash, plenty of growth assets um, that they hold. Um, probably the most prominent that I highlight is um, their Rentails project, which is basically a tailings reprocessing operation. And um, the really interesting thing is, um, as we mentioned about Speckies in the past, that um, the actual grade of this Rentails um, tailings deposit or dam or whatever you want to call it, is probably about double of what you'd see in any sort of speculative uh, tin deposit itself. 
So um, we sort of ran the numbers when the tin price was um, consider considerably lower, and we actually thought that, well, rentails, if they could get this off the ground, would be worth, you know, two to 300 mil odd in NPV. So um, you can just expect, well, with significantly higher tin pricing today, um, that will be worth a hell of a lot of money. Um, and they certainly do seem to have appetite to um, pursue this project and um, probably even cash fund it given they're just printing cash like crazy. And given it is so hard for either individual investors or, or other mining companies to get exposure to tin, do you think there's a chance that a, a bigger company will come knocking and, and look to acquire Metals X? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think there's definitely the potential there. Um, as I mentioned, Yunnan Tin hold 50% of Renison, so they are very uh, well acquainted with the operation and understand the um, quality and the strategic nature of the resource itself. Um, I think that, you know, potentially there could be FERB uh, implications yeah. or, or some conflict, but ultimately they already own 50%. So I think that um, may not be too big a deal. Um, this is just my guesstimate, by the way. Um, but saying that, you know, um, I, I think it's definitely um, an attractive proposition even for yeah, for example, uh, a mid-tier miner like IGO, uh, this would be a really attractive asset for someone like them who, who wants um, or desires exposure to um, the transition towards clean energy and uh, electrification, effectively. Beautiful. Well, it's a great story, mate. Really appreciate you walking through it. It's always uh, it's always done with, with uh, a lot of clarity. So thanks again for, for coming on the show. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having us, Chris. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. Please do your own research and seek out your own financial advisor before committing any capital to these markets.